don't know, God has given me the opportunity and the privilege and the responsibility to, uh, to shepherd his young people, the chosen generation. We're still working on this whole transition thing. I'm a rookie, if you will. But I think it's going all right. Today, man, God, God, is, God is just awesome, man, because, um, you know, I don't communicate with the worship team probably as much as I need to, but because we worship the same God and we have the same spirit dwelling in us, the message today is structured around enduring trials, not taking your eyes off of what God has in store for you. Not taking your eyes off of the whole reason why you were pulled out of darkness to begin with. To have that everlasting fellowship with the Father inside of His kingdom. And then here's the song that, you know, we'll worship Him to the end, you know. And uh, I really enjoy the Spirit of God and I thank Him. We'll open up in prayer. Um, bow your heads and close your eyes with me, please. Heavenly Father, I adore you, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for allowing me the opportunity to speak on your word, Father. I ask that you would continually pour wisdom and knowledge and understanding by your spirit into my life. Father, that I might become very little, Lord God, and that you might become very big. Father God, that I would communicate your word properly, Lord. Humble me, Father God, and I ask that you would just open up the hearts of everyone that is here, Lord God. Open their hearts so that they can receive what your spirit has for them. Father God, that they could be moved, Lord God, encouraged, strengthened, and filled with passion to serve you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. I'm still working on how I'm structuring my messages and how much of a message, message to, to bring forth to a Friday night service. Um, so y'all just keep me in prayer. Uh, tonight, um, I didn't do my notes the same way that I usually do, but I think that it's, uh, I think that's all going to work out really good. We're going to be talking from the book of James, chapter 1. Verses 1 through 17. The author of the book is James, obviously. He is the James, the brother of Jesus. The book was written about 49 A.D. It's after the death of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I love how our timeline is structured around him. It just reminds me of how awesome he is, even though there's so many people that don't recognize it or admit it. Um, it was originally written to the early Jewish Christians from the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, Jacob, that were scattered abroad because of the persecution. And we can easily say that it was written to the followers of Jesus Christ because what James didn't know is James didn't know the time or the hour. James didn't know when Jesus was coming back. He was just inspired by God to write. But God didn't share with him that a couple of millenniums later, his word was still going to be an encouragement to people who are followers of Christ, not just those early Jewish Christians. So we can thank God and his spirit uh, for writing the book of James. It's a challenging book. It's an awesome book. 
the central theme of the book is um, our faith determines our actions and our attitude. So we're going to speak from chapters actually 2 through 17. And um, it, should, it, should be, it should be real good. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and turn to the Word because I got notes here, but I didn't write down the whole Scripture. And this is the TNIV. My mom got me this Bible whenever she heard that I was going to be youth pastor. And uh, it's a really nice Bible. What does T stand for, though? I, I, I looked it up. Hold on. This might not be that important. Today's new international version. Okay, so it's, it's good. So far, so good. I ain't got no flaws with it. So that's why I'm reading from it. Starting in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So consider it pure joy is what James is telling us. Whenever we face trials. And the reason why we're to do this is because we know that this is going to be a testing of our faith whenever we're facing these trials. And the testing of our faith is going, to, is going to produce perseverance. Or the King James says patience, which is cheerful endurance. So what kind of trials do we go through? I mean, we go through a lot of trials. Right now, Christians, really you can say if the word of God is being attacked, you're being attacked. Because you're a new creation in Christ. He is your father. And I know ain't no one going to come into your house and smack your mom or dad around without it being offensive to you. So whenever someone is attacking the word of God and God's commandments, then it should, it should cut you, man. It should make you upset, all right? And we need to also remember, forgive them for they know not what they do, all right? We can't act out of anger, okay? We need to still carry the, the, the attributes of Christ. But James says to consider it pure joy when we go through these trials. The trials we face today is, man... I could tell you the number one trial for high schoolers right now, and maybe not for the females, maybe a little bit, but for the males, is pornography. Huge trial. Huge. It's just too easy. Click, you're there. That's it. Okay, you walk by a 7-Eleven. All right, I got a, four, I got a three and a half year old son. He's almost four. Whenever I go into the 7-Eleven, I have to guard him from seeing the doggone magazine rack. See, that's crazy because it's a 7-Eleven, man. It's not like it's a, you know, Bob's adult video or whatever you want to say, you know, it's, it's a 7-Eleven. So that's one way that we're being attacked. We're being attacked with homosexuality. For some reason, some people are starting to think, think that it's normal. And let me take that back. It's not for some reason. It's because sin dwells inside of us, and we are evil and wicked and wretched. And apart from God, that's all we will ever be. So as long as we stay in that state, which there are many people in that state that aren't studying the Scripture so that God can draw near to them or praying so that they can draw near to God so they have no idea of what this God they say they believe in or the God they say they don't believe in really wants for them to do. So they practice this homosexuality thinking that there's nothing wrong with it because the media and the state of Iowa has went ahead and supported it. <laughs> you seen that, right? It's not funny, but man, that's the world we live in today. And that's persecution against Christians and it's persecution against God. Other trials, some that might hit a little closer to home. Um, well, even before I go there, there's atheists and other religious movements and religious cults that are out there attacking the truth. The only infallible truth, the word of God. One guy, uh, Michael Newdow, he tried to get the... Um, 
One nation under God taken out of the Pledge of Allegiance because his daughter was reciting it. And he's saying, man, it's offensive because I don't believe in this fairy tale God. And they got my daughter reciting it. And the thing that disappointed me with our government is that instead of shooting him down, the Ninth District Court, they accepted it. They reviewed the case. They brought it all the way to the Supreme Court. And then the Supreme Court didn't shoot him down either. The Supreme Court just kind of candy-coated it just to dismiss the case and said, um, well, you can't speak for your daughter because her mother has the majority of custody. So the case dismissed. So they ruled against him. But they didn't say, I'm ruling against you because you're an idiot. And under God is in our Pledge of Allegiance and it's going to stay there. You see what I'm saying? Let's just be real, man. Why do we got to get so sensitive to people who are acting foolish? When I say we, I mean the people who are in authority, you know? It's just, man, it's bothersome to me. But the other trials that we go through that James is talking about to go ahead and have pure joy over is, you know, we got families that are being divorced. We got parents that are arguing. We got brothers that are passing away, sisters that are passing away, uh, family members that are just dying. Cancer's increasing. Diseases are increasing. There's all of these different trials that we're going through, but James says, consider it pure joy. Because why? Because when you're going through these trials and you're coming through, your faith is being tested. And when your faith is tested, it's going to produce cheerful endurance. Cheerful endurance. And that's, and that's a wonderful thing. And the other question that I had when I was looking at it, I was like, okay, well, what's this faith? That he's talking about. Because we need to understand the faith he's talking about too. Because some people got faith in elevators, but they ain't got no faith in God. They got faith in what the media is declaring and what CNN's saying, but they don't have no faith in God. Go, oh, well, you know, CNN said this and that and that. Did you see the proof? Did you, did you, you know, what, what did you see? Just a, a little article? Well, there's a, 66 books of proof that's written by eyewitnesses, but you don't want to believe in that? You see what I'm saying? So what faith is James talking about? The faith that James is talking about is the faith in Jesus Christ. That God loves you, that he sent his son to die for you. And you can, man, you're going to hear the gospel from me over and over and over and over again because that's the foundation of your Christianity. That's the foundation of your faith that we're talking about. So that God loves you, he sent his son to die for you. Why? Because you were never going to have a relationship with him. Because the Bible says that out of the heart of man proceeds evil thoughts. Blasphemy, adulteries, fornications, wickedness, deceit. This is what's inside of your heart. So apart from Christ, you weren't going to spend eternity with him. You weren't going to fellowship with him. So he loved you enough to make a way for it to happen. And if you have faith in Jesus, then one day you'll spend eternity with him. You'll get that blessed hope of eternal life. And he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So that's the faith that James is talking about. So the goal here is this. In verse 4, he says, let perseverance this cheerful endurance, this patience, let it finish its work so that you may mature and complete and not lacking anything. That's a big goal, to be mature and complete in Christ, that you don't lack anything. Guys, we got to go through persecution. We got to go through trials. We got to go through this hardship. It's there, man. We're in a sinful, fallen world. How are we going to react to it is the question. Are we going to let our faith be tested and come out Tried by the fire and come out? Or are we going to fall on our face and not get back up? Nate, why don't you and Jeremy come up here? Y'all making me nervous way back. I feel like I got to talk louder or something. So 
let's go through these testings. Let's go through this persecution. Let's go through all of this so our faith is tested and is producing this endurance, this cheerful endurance, so that we're not going to be lacking anything, so that we'll be complete and mature. And verses 5 through 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Man, whenever I read that, I was like, God, give me some wisdom, please. I was crying out for wisdom, man, because I'm, I'm just going to confess. I feel like my wife is, like, wiser than I am, man. Whenever we be talking, it's like, man, you got a lot of wisdom, you know. I want that wisdom. And James says, man, just ask God. He's going to give it to you. He's not going to find fault in you and say, oh, well, you know, you did such and such. I'm not going to give you wisdom. But you need to have faith and not doubt is what the Bible says. You need to have faith that God's going to give that to you, that God's there, first of all, and then that he's going to give you things that you ask for, especially wisdom. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Look, man, if, if you want something from God, if you want wisdom from God, you can't doubt, man. You can't be like a wave tossed in the sea. Whatever way the wind blows, it blows east, you're going to go east. It blows west, you're going to go west. If that's going to be you, then you might as well not ask God for nothing. Because the very next verse actually confirms what I just said. And it says in verse 7, Those who doubt should not think that they will receive anything from the Lord. They are double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Verses 7 and 8. You don't want that to be you, man. So, if you lack wisdom, you ask it from God. He's going to give it to you. He's not going to find fault in you. He's going to give it to you because he loves you. He's your father. And my boy Isaiah comes up to me and he's like, hey, dad, you know, I want some milk. If it ain't going to hurt him, okay, I'll hook you up with some milk. If he says, I want some Tootsie Rolls, well, we might not give you no Tootsie Rolls depending on how many you've already had. But when you ask him for wisdom because you want to see the kingdom furthered, because you want to be able to communicate the word of God accurately, because you want people to be saved, when you ask for that, do you think God's going to give it to you? you think this loving God who sent his son to die for you is going to give it to you? Absolutely. That's what James is saying here. So don't be like, don't be like a wave tossed in the sea. Don't, don't go where the wind blows. You know, whatever the trends are. Oh, this person's wearing this, so that's why I like to wear it. This person's on MySpace a lot. I like to be on MySpace a lot. You know, come on, man. Be a leader. Be somebody. You're a new creation in Christ. You don't have to be consumed with whatever way the wind's blowing in this world. Verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. This is the today's new international version. No, you're good. I just want to make sure that people know that I'm reading the same thing they are. It's just a different version. You're good. You're doing a great job. Verse 9, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. Verse 10, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. You see, you might not have all the money. You might not have all of the nice things that so-and-so has. But the Bible says for you to be to take pride in that high position you have in Christ Jesus. Take pride in the fact that you are a son of the king, the one who created the heavens and the earth, that you're his son, that you're in fellowship and relationship with him. Understand it, believe it, and take pride in that. Don't focus on 
on your little lowly dwelling place here on earth because, you know, you live in a trailer and somebody else lives in a mansion. It don't matter. What matters is where's your soul going? What type of relationship do you have with God? Where is their soul going? What type of relationship do they have with God? That's what really matters. That's the stuff that James is talking about here. Don't be consumed with all this natural worldly thoughts. And then he also says for the rich, the rich, they need to, be, they need to take pride in their humiliation. What type of humiliation do they have? Well, they got everything here. But who was Christ? Christ was a carpenter. Uh, he was um, the son of a carpenter. And he worked as a carpenter. And he never presented himself in a high fashion or a high manner. He didn't take his, his authority that he had and abuse it. He was richer than anybody. But yet he washed the feet of his disciples. He said he came to serve. He came not to be served, but to serve. It was his desire to be lowly. The Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So James is trying to encourage. That's what James is doing here. He's encouraging all of his fellow followers of Christ that are being persecuted and scattered across. All this persecution you guys are going through, understand who you are in Christ. Understand that one day you will spend eternity with him. Understand, believe, know that one day you will be with God. And everything that was happened here, man, is it's like that. It's gone, man. You guys know anyone who died? They were here and they were gone. That's it. Here and gone. One day to the next. Verse 11, for the sun rises, actually verse 10, finishing verse 10, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. It's just like that, man. You see a beautiful rose one day, it's gorgeous. You want to smell it and hold it and maybe pick it for somebody you love. If you don't get to it quick enough, it'll be dead. Just like that. Same thing, man. That's why I love that song that talks about um, um, I am a flower quickly fading here today and gone tomorrow. Um, a wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in the wind. It's a beautiful song, man. It really is, man. Um, verse 12. Blessed are those who preserve, who endure with this cheerful endurance under trial. Whenever they're faced with these issues of divorces, God forbid, or you know, family members passing away, or somebody catching a disease, or you know, your best friend you know, just told you, man, I really don't love Jesus. Matter of fact, I love men and women. I'm, I'm, you know, I just, that's, that's how I roll. You know? and, and they kind of just... They freak out on you, man. You're like, what are you doing? The Bible says this, and I want you guys to know this and understand this, because this is as real as it can get. The Bible says that anyone who says he loves God, does not keep his commandments, is a liar. Do you believe that the word of God is truth? Know that. Don't be deceived, man. Let's not make it harder than it is. Someone's coming up to you talking about, man, they're a Christian, but they ain't keeping none of the commandments, and they're doing everything they're doing with no conviction and no repentance. They're a liar. They do not love Jesus. And you can tell them, look, according to the Bible, you don't love Jesus. 
And you need to get it right because if you don't and you think you love Jesus and you want to continue to live your life deceived, then one day your life's going to come to an end and you're not going to have another opportunity. And that's it for you. People die every day, young and old. Don't let your friends, your peers, hopefully they're only your peers, that are not keeping God's commandments tell you they love God. Correct them out of love. Say, man, don't be deceived, man. It's better for you to just sit here and say, man, I am not following God's commandments. I don't love them. It's because I don't believe in them. Then for you to sit here and walk around acting like you are a Christian, portraying Christ, people are looking at you who don't know God, and they're all freaked out and confused. They don't know what's going on now because there's so many different religions out there. There's like 70,000 churches out there, 100,000 churches in the United States of America. It's crazy. Most of them have no clue what they're talking about. The Bible says to not to desire to be a pastor and a teacher of the word of God because you're going to be held at a higher standard. You're accountable for everything that you say. This right here, this tongue, build up, destroy. You can do some serious damage. Jason, I know you know what I'm talking about. The words you say can do serious, serious damage, man. That's why, some, that's why I so often put my foot in my mouth. I just learn to shut up, especially whenever I'm angry or upset. Blessed are those who preserve, who endure under the trial of all these situations and these temptations and these issues. Because when they've stood the test, they receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love them. Isn't that what, I just, isn't that what I'm talking about? Isn't that what I've been saying the whole time that I've been up here? This is what you see. That's what Stephen seen whenever he was getting stoned. He's seen the glory of God. That's where your eyes have to be focused, man. That's where you have to be in tune. You are foreigners here, citizens of heaven. Not the other way around. Foreigners don't make it to heaven. There's no such thing as a foreigner in the kingdom of heaven. You either belong or you don't. Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Make sure I'm not leaving anything out here. Don't blame, don't blame stuff on God. For real. I mean, God's tempting me. I ain't never heard nobody say that, and I hope you guys never do. But I've, evidently somebody did, because James is writing it. The Bible says that God cannot be tempted by evil, and he doesn't tempt anyone. All right? So we can just cut that out right there. Like I said, I ain't never heard nobody say that. Verse 14, but each of you is tempted. Oh, this, this might hurt, but it's real, and I hope you guys receive it. But each of you is tempted when you are dragged away by your own evil desires and enticed. So whenever you're tempted, whose fault is it? Anybody got a guess? That's right. It's your own fault. All right? Therefore, you have no excuse when you fall into temptation. Right? Because you're either going to do two things. You're going to follow yourself into that temptation because you're going to keep being tempted. Or you're going to follow the Holy Spirit in the ways of the Lord. That's it. And you're either going to blame yourself 
for loving God? By his grace? Are you going to blame yourself for sinning against God continually according to the likes of your lust? So I'm glad we all know that we're tempted by our own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived in verse 15, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. Man, this is like elementary stuff, man. I mean, it's like one plus one equals two. It's up to you, man. God has brought all of you guys here this evening. That's it. God's brought all of you here. And he says in his word, That after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. This is just education, man. James is writing this to the followers of Christ. He wants you to be encouraged, not discouraged. All right, I'm going through some things. Does it bother you? It should. If it does, repent. A saint is just a sinner who fell down and got back up. All right? Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all created. The Bible says that all good things come from God. He says that he doesn't change. You guys are here? He brought you here. You guys have been, the gospel's been shared with you? Thank you, Jesus. That's from him, too. There's some people who have not heard the gospel. There's some people who are in atheist families, and they don't even know what a Bible is, believe it or not. Yeah. Look, man, your kids are only going to know what they're taught. You know what I'm saying? An individual is only going to know what they're taught. But you guys have heard the gospel. And God is the giver of all good things. He's not changing like shifting shadows. He has chosen to give birth to you through Christ. That you might be a first fruit of all created. What does that mean? That you might just stand in eternity with him through Christ Jesus. That you might spend eternity with God. Thank you, Jesus. Don't be scared to praise him. See, this is the glory of it all. This is the wonder of it all, and this is the beauty of it all. Hebrews 10, 36, and 38. Just a few encouraging verses, and I'm I'm almost closing here, believe it or not. Told y'all I'm working on it. I'm working. Hebrews 10, 36 through 38. You need to preserve, endure, Cheerful endurance, patience, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for you. And then we go on to see, uh, it's a reference here. It's not even showing me the reference. Yeah, it is. Quoting Isaiah chapter 26, 20, the author of Hebrews says, In just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, and by my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. The key that I wanted to share with you there is preserve. So that whenever the will of God is done, whenever your life here is done, God has given you an allotted amount of time 
Pastor Robert preached that message. I'll never forget about it because it really makes you look at things a little bit different. And there's a song by uh, Chris Rice that says, uh, um, nobody's rich or poor for we all have a bank account and time is our currency. Did you get that? Time is your currency. Time is your money. No one's rich or poor. You all get 24 hours each. So you have a day. How are you going to spend that time? You see what I'm saying? So God has given us a certain amount of time here. So let's go ahead and be enduring cheerfully and faithfully so that we can receive that promise. That's what I want to do. And that's what we got to take our eyes off. I mean, that's what we got to keep our eyes on. Whenever we're going through these trials, persecutions, situations, just stay faithful. Don't take your eyes off of God. First John 2, uh, chapter 3, verses 2 through 3, it says that... Um, It says that, uh, excuse me, 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. I can't. Okay. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that whenever Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Guys, you're going to be like Jesus. That's what we need to be striving for now. But we have this sinful body that kind of holds us back. But we got the spirit of God dwelling in us so we can't have any excuses. Remember, we're going to be tempted by our own evil desires. But we're still filled with the Holy Spirit who has power and is conqueror of all things. Okay, so we still have no excuse. So we should be striving to be that new creation that we were called to be. But nonetheless, whenever one day we're going to be like Christ. When we get that glorified body and whenever he comes back and we're going to spend eternity with him. That's, this is hope, man. This should be very encouraging to you guys. So what he's saying, what John is saying, look, man, it hasn't been revealed what we, what we are. But whenever Christ appears, we're going to be just like him. And everybody's going to see, everybody's going to see this. And we're going to see him as, as he is because he's going to appear. And then verse 3 says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So if you want to become pure, you want to become closer to God, don't take your eyes off of that, man. Have that hope inside of your heart so that it can be your drive. It could be your your push, it could be your motivation to really strive to know that, man, this is all just temporary. And um, <clears throat> your sin will devour you. If you fall into it, it will devour you. It will, it will, it, that's what Satan came to do, steal, kill, and destroy. Your sin will devour you, so do not partake in it at all. There's no compromise. There's no compromise. If you guys know something is against God's word, you should not be partaking of it, period. If you are, you will be storing up wrath for yourself. And nobody wants a butt whooping from God. The demons believe and tremble, James 2.19. The demons beg for Jesus' mercy in Matthew 8.29 and 31. It's kind of funny because Jesus is just strolling, you know. And the demons that were, they were, uh, they were possessed. There were, I think there was a couple guys that were possessed by demons. And um, they said to Jesus, they said, have you, have you come to torment us before our time, before the time? And they said, please, please, just, you know, cast us into these pigs. You know, they didn't want to deal with Jesus. So Jesus cast them into the pigs. The pigs went into the water, drowned, and, and it was over. And everybody was like, oh, man, what just happened? The demons, man, they beg for mercy, man. They believe and they tremble. These are spiritual beings that will beat you down in a heartbeat 
without the Spirit of God having your back. So understand that your God is powerful, that he loves you, he wants relationship with you, that he's chosen for you to know who your Savior is so that you can be the righteousness of God in him and spend eternity with him. And he doesn't make any mistakes. And then the last couple of verses I'm going to go through is 1 John 4.4. 4. I'm already here. It says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 4, verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son, his only son, into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loves you. And God wants relationship with you. And there's so many people out there that don't know what you guys have just been told. Our salvation goes much further than us. God wants to use us to further his kingdom, to bring more glory to him. God has deposited power within you. And the old saying, and it's true, too much is given, much is required. This voice of the martyrs. This little girl is 10 years old. And she lived in, um, I forgot where she lived. You're wondering what happened to her. There's a bomb blew up in her face. She says, I am one of the few fortunate ones who escaped death. Although I had to spend a long time in the hospital, I feel very loved by the people of India and by so many people in the world who have seen my photo and who have prayed for me, she said. She's 10 years old. Nemrata is her name, and forgive me if I pronounce it wrong, decided to dedicate her life to spreading the gospel, even though she knows firsthand the price she may pay. She believes India needs the peace of Christ, and that is more important than being afraid for her life. I am ashamed. I'm ashamed of my commitment to Christ as an American. I really am. Because of testimonies like this. She knows the price that she might pay. If I read the whole thing to you, they bombarded her house. Her and her sister were really scared. They hid. They didn't find her. They ramshacked her house. They destroyed everything. They set it on fire, and they left a bomb that she didn't know was theirs. And she walked right into it. Her sister, they were really scared. They didn't even go to seek help that day. They went and hid in the woods because they were so scared. And then VOM, Voice of the Martyrs, it's a ministry. Um, they heard about the story, and they paid for all the medical bills and plastic surgeries and so forth. And she does look like 300% better. So I think they were only second-degree burns. But she knows the price. And the thing that I love about it, that 10-year-old, she says she believes India needs the peace of Christ. And that is more important than her being afraid for her life. 
there's many stories of Voice of the Martyrs. These are people who are really persecuted. And the persecution that I could come up with was divorce, you know, family member doing something stupid that they probably shouldn't be doing and passing away. I'm not trying to sound in- insensitive. Or ones that are unjustly passing away. But those are the persecutions that I had to come up with as an American. I didn't have no stories like that. Guys, you have so much freedom. It's time to get serious for Christ. It's time to understand there's a spiritual battle that's going on that is so much bigger than we are. And God pulled you out of darkness for a reason. So I pray and I ask that you guys would commit yourself as your pastor. I ask that you would commit yourself to the scriptures. That you would just read every day. I was talking to Brother Manny. He has a set devotional time set aside. Every day he reads. He probably wouldn't brag on that, but I'm going to brag on that. Because I'm proud of you, man. I really am. That's not easy to do in today's life. Especially today's teenage life. But whenever you know who your Savior is, whenever you know the battle that's going on spiritually, it'd be hard for you not to. So I challenge you, pray every day, read every day, even if it's just a little bit. Show God that you want more of him. With that said, if, um, if, if anybody wants to come up here and be prayed for, the altar is always open. I am always available. If nobody comes up, I will go ahead and close in prayer. I'll give you a minute. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for desiring a relationship with your created people. God, I thank you for making a way for me to to be in relationship with you. God, I pray that you would show me how to love better. That you would show me how to serve you better and how to serve my fellow brother and sisters better. God, I pray, Lord God, that you would burden our hearts so heavily, Lord God, with more desire and more passion than ever before to see your glory manifested in this earth. Not so that we can walk joyously along the streets holding hands, but so that we can see souls truly changed by the revelation of who you are and by the love that they receive from you. I thank you for the responsibility, Lord God, and I thank you for the privilege to serve you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you all for coming.